Did you know that former Stanford athlete Peter Dukes invented the pumpkin spice latte? You're listening to The Daily Brew from the Stanford Daily. This is Chloe Bro and Laylee Rezvani. This week, we're talking about the Cory Brooker columns and the Stanford Marriage Pact. Democratic presidential hopeful and New Jersey Senator Cory Booker wrote controversial columns for the Stanford Daily while receiving his master's degree. Emma Bowers spoke to the Daily Writer who resurfaced the columns. In a 1992 column for the Daily, current New Jersey Senator Cory Booker admitted to groping a female friend while in high school. The article opened with the line, telling one's own personal story is often the most powerful way to make a point or, more importantly, to make people think. Booker certainly shared several personal stories during his tenure at the Daily, writing around a dozen articles about his changing and conflicted views. When he announced his candidacy for the 2020 presidential election earlier this month, the Daily published an article entitled Presidential Hopeful Cory Booker's Intimate Daily Columns on Race, Homosexuality, and Groping Incident Resurface. We sat down with Katie Keller, one of the authors of the piece, to discuss Booker's articles and her own journalistic process. She first described the morning that Booker announced his candidacy. Um, we woke up in the morning, saw the CNN update that he had released a video saying he was running for president. And since he's a Stanford alum, this was definitely, um, we wanted to write some sort of story about this. Um, so I ran over to the Daily House. Um, my editors started texting me like, you gotta, you gotta get here right away. And I was like, okay. My initial thing when I sat down actually wasn't to write about the column as much at all. I sat down and I was going to write just sort of a... 400 word synopsis of his platform and like what he did at Stanford and mention the fact that he wrote columns for the Daily because I I did know that like that's been public information for a while he's very involved at Stanford um so we started kind of poking around in the actual columns that he wrote and what we found was pretty spectacular and it, it rang a bell because I had seen the headline before that Booker had written a column in which he admitted to groping a female friend. We started reading these columns and there's, I think, more than a dozen of them. There's a ton of columns. Um, And we started realizing the topics were kind of crazy. He was writing about these very, very intimate um, columns about his own changing views on homosexuality, on race relations in America, and then finally on uh, his own like Cory Booker uh, presidential platform. So we thought, oh my goodness, like we have to put all these juicy quotes in here. How did you decide which parts to include and which parts to leave out? The story really developed over the course of the day. Um, we were sitting there really just wanting to write. Um, are there any special steps or precautions you have to take when you're covering a story that is kind of national news? Uh, I think that we just have to make sure that we are covering all sides of the issue. Um, and usually we would reach out to lots of sources. And we actually, I actually did email his old um, opinions managing editor um, who got back to me with some, with some quotes. What we really wanted to focus on in that case then was getting the full picture. So what do you think is the main thing that we gain from learning these intimate details about someone who may be our next president? You know what, I think that is something that we as a country are really starting to reckon with. And I say that in a very broad way, but to give it some more detail, 
the things that people were thinking, doing, and saying when they were in college have now become more accessible to the public more than ever. You know, even high school with you know Brett Kavanaugh, who's now on the Supreme Court, we went through a whole um, hearing about his uh, past conduct when he was in high school. And I think that, um, well, there's definitely a dispute as to what exactly happened. There's also a greater dispute about does it matter what someone did? It would be a false equivalence to say that all of these cases are exactly the same, but I think that it is one more uh, story in the canon of let's look back at what these uh, highbrow politicians were doing and thinking and saying when they were in college and think about how that makes us feel about them. In one of his columns, Booker detailed his dating anxiety, saying that he would go through about two to three shirts due to persistent pit-pouring before his dates. Booker wrote his phone number at the end of his column to set up 77 of his readers on blind dates. Last year, two students created a survey to match students, and since then it has become a campus-wide phenomenon. Wang Gi Jung talked to the people behind the numbers. Since it was released, the Stanford Marriage Pact has collected over 8,000 responses from Stanford students and matched them with their ideal partners. So what happened to all those people? Our team asked students about their experiences of using the Marriage Pact. I did the Marriage Pact both years and I never met with my Marriage Pact person on purpose. The first year I didn't meet with them because they were a grad student and I only wanted an undergrad and I was like, man, this is wrong. But then this year I got a freshman and I'm a junior. Um, and I never met with them, but they added me on Facebook. I did not, unfortunately. I didn't didn't take the initiative to actually meet the person that I got matched with because I feel like it would have been awkward. <laughs> so we were like talking, have a good time at Coho, and we we're like talking about classes for the next quarter. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna take social dance with my girlfriend." I was like. Peace. <laughs> Sometimes the algorithm worked in a really interesting way. We had an instance of a resident and an RA matching with over 90%. I know of two siblings, you know, two sets of siblings who actually got matched with their respective siblings. And sometimes it was not the algorithm, but the people. I had a friend who met someone on there who ended up, through a series of events, eventually um, peed on her floor. Like I was taking down names for something, and I said to them, I was like, wow, your name looks really familiar. And then he was like, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe you've just seen it around before. And I didn't figure out why his name looked familiar, but he clearly recognized me, and I was wearing a name tag too. But he's asking me like, oh, like, asking me a lot of questions about myself. And I was like, I don't understand why you're asking these. And then like the next day, I like randomly remembered that that was my marriage pack match. Our friend, was like, okay, I'm just gonna send it. And she texts him, hey, hubby. And then she never really got a response. And then, like, three months later, like, during like, one or break or something, he texts back, hey, wifey. And everybody freaked out. But that was about it. What's common among them was that they all had different expectations. Being emotionally open, I think, was one of the questions. So I ranked that high. The complexity, simplicity question was really weird. I mean, like, what, what does complex mean? Does that mean, like, minimalist kind of lifestyle would be simple? Or, like, do you want a lot of things? Like, are you interested in a lot of things? Uh, I don't think any of them, honestly. Like, I, I just kind of took it just kind of, like, for fun. Listening to the interviews, I realized how difficult it is to understand humans with an algorithm. However well-designed it is, the way we use it varies by person. Someone doesn't care at all. 
Someone thinks too much about it. It's like an actual relationship. Maybe that's why sometimes we just have to enjoy the randomness in our lives. This episode was led by Chloe Burrow, Laili Razvani, Wang Gi Jung, Emma Bowers, and Griffin Simantan. With help from Emma Hard, Nikki Flamin, and Nandini Nadu. Stay classy, Stanford. <laughs>